We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The right workspace is more than just square footage. It's an incubator of achievement, a magnet for talent. Your workforce unleashed. For 160 years, Savills has been bringing real intelligence to global real estate, ensuring not just any space, but the perfect workspace. Because the most important dimension of a building is the human one. Savills. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. Six, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the series and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Blair Andrews, you can follow me on Twitter at MITHEREALBLAIR, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Blair? Uh, happy Thanksgiving, a little late, but uh, as you can tell, I'm a little under the weather. How was your uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, my Thanksgiving was good, you know, always nice to get a break see the family and uh watch some football so yeah good good thanksgiving sounds like it was a little better than yours so uh <laughs> um happy not to be sick hopefully some other people in my house are coming down with something it sounds like so hopefully we can uh, fight it off yeah no that thanksgiving was terrific uh the sickness not as much but you know we're on the we're on the upswing so it's going to be good definitely uh we have no guest today. It's just going to be the two of us, so uh, we'll uh, you know bring the fire. Uh, first item up: Baker Mayfield completed 19 of 26 passes for 258 yards and four touchdowns in Sunday's Week 12 win over the Bengals. Mayfield has now thrown for multiple touchdowns in five straight games and is the first Cleveland quarterback to do so since Vinny Testaverde. So it looks like Mayfield is locked in as a QB one for the rest of the season. Uh, Hassan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I one of my bigger regrets this week was probably not playing uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I, I I wound up starting Carson Wentz over him in a in a do or die game that uh, I'm probably going to end up dying as a result. You know, it's a pretty big swing. Uh, but you know, going forward, just taking a look at like the uh, buy low machine here for Rotoviz, uh, it doesn't really exactly have uh, a favorable schedule for Cleveland uh, the rest of the way. Uh, but that said, you know, some of these teams, I think that the Cleveland uh, offense, particularly Baker Mayfield, should be able to to do well. They've actually got a fairly, uh, they're actually slightly on the negative side. Uh, uh, you know, they aren't as difficult as some teams going forward but for the rest of the, the season. But, you know, that being said, some of these teams that they're going to be facing, specifically Houston, Carolina, um, have pretty high octane offenses which means that, at the very least, Cleveland should be throwing a lot. Um, 
to stay in the game. So I think Baker Mayfield has definitely not more so than just a quote unquote streamer. He's on a he's on a team with a half decent you know offense. And as we saw today, you know, they just sort of came out with a mission. Uh, it was the Hugh Jackson revenge game wherein the Cleveland Browns took revenge against him. And, man, it was uh, it was absolutely nuts. Uh, you know, they just dis- I think they completely disrespected the Bengals there. So it was kind of exciting watching them do that just because it- it's wild that like a running backs coach uh, who was promoted to O.C., uh, midseason is what it took to unlock uh, Mayfield and Chubb and all these guys. You know what I mean? And uh, the one issue that I'm really struggling with here is Jarvis Landry. Do you think it, ha- do you think it happens for him this like, year at all? I-, I gave up a very high draft pick for him uh, in a dynasty league. I- I'm kind of concerned about that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, we've seen kind of this offense come to life under Kitchens. I mean, I think it's possibly more of a addition by subtraction sort of thing where you you get rid of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley and all of a sudden you're good um but yeah it's weird that Landry really hasn't been able to do anything I mean you know we've seen in each of the last three games I think that uh the Browns have played under Kitchens Mayfield has spread the ball around a lot like nobody has gotten more than I want to say maybe seven targets in a game um so you know I probably the sort of target concentration that we're used to seeing from Landry is not going to be there, um, which is, you know, disappointing for everyone who drafted him so high, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, that's tough. Uh, I'm kind of curious also why you weren't exactly on Mayfield this week. I mean, I know he wasn't getting a lot of, not a lot of people were talking about him, but I think this Cincinnati defense kind of low-key is, you know, one of the worst. They're, like, right up where the there with the Bucks in terms of allowing yards, um, and luckily Mayfield gets to face them again in Week 16. So, um, you know, even though the buy low machine might not say he has a really great schedule coming up, I think I'm really excited to see what he can do down the stretch. Yeah, I'm actually just going to be locking him in and then just rolling him out each week. Uh, as far as why I wasn't on him this week, I think my fear uh, with with Mayfield a little bit uh, over. Someone like a Wentz was the inability of Cincinnati to really muster much offense. And Cincinnati didn't muster much offense. It just so happened that it didn't matter. They uh, Cleveland really didn't take their foot off the gas until like they were up 35 to 7, uh, you know, by which. Uh, and then they really just sort of tried to run the clock out. Um, and it was, you know awfully apparent that like even like like since you were just didn't have a, a puncher's chance of this one so it was actually kind of nifty watching mayfield you know get to work uh and you know this is just sort of what we should come to expect from the guy uh, you know one of the best college quarterback prospects in a while is a little bit on the older side so it's good to see him immediately take to the nfl as quickly as he did um, and so my question to you is, like, where do you think he kind of slots in going next year? Uh, I mean, obviously from a late-round quarterback perspective, perspective or what have you, but really more so from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, huh. Dynasty, I would consider him probably top 12. Um, yeah, I'd have to look more closely at, at uh, you know, and actually putting together some rankings for, for Dynasty and for next year to see where he would end up. I mean, the, he's definitely looked a lot better the last few games than he did earlier in the year. Um, and, uh, you know, for a rookie quarterback, I think what he's doing is pretty impressive. So uh, I would definitely be expecting big things next year. It wouldn't, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he could end up being like a top five quarterback year after year um so from a dynasty perspective i think you've got to consider really bumping him up your rankings um yeah and then next year in terms of redraft i'm not <laughs> not even yeah equipped at this point to yeah nah, really. redrafts yeah redrafts a little it's a little too early to start uh, discussing that but just just curious about dynasty because we're heading into you know prospect season and then eventually it'll be startup season so just trying to get your ideas on that one what do you think? Where do you have him? Yeah, I would definitely say top five prospects. I mean, uh, and this really isn't just recency bias uh, speaking. Uh, I think that you would have to kind of consider him 
maybe after Mahomes, then you've kind of got your Goffs and stuff. Like I think somewhere around in that in that region. I don't know how high. I got to actually sit down and do them. And uh, this is a good time for us to plug our uh, Rotoviz Dynasty rankings, which will be updated uh, in the off season. So, so would, hmm? would you have him ahead of Deshaun Watson? Uh, probably not. I've yet to see that kind of uh, explosion from Mayfield. Doesn't mean like he's not capable. I think really uh, what I want to talk about, probably more so specifically, not necessarily rankings, but you know maybe we we should see if we can do like tiered rankings, right? Because uh, especially because quarterback uh, scoring is so clumped together that really you kind of want you don't you know you don't really want like guys who won't lose the game. Really, you want quarterbacks who are like difference makers at the position. Guys like a Patrick Mahomes or like a Deshaun Watson from last year who can like or even Wentz from last year, you know, guys or Trubisky from earlier this year where they can single handedly change uh, your game. Like really um, where they take your uh, they're not just like giving you a floor kind of like uh, a Matthew Stafford used to be. Right. Like they're giving you an actual ceiling. So it sort of turbocharges your lineup going forward. And I think that that's uh, a, a way that I'm going to be looking to segment um, my quarterback rankings next season. Um, so so that way, and I, and I want to see if there's a possibility for us to do it from a tier perspective. Christian McCaffrey rushed uh, 17 times for 125 yards and a touchdown. He also hauled in 11 of his targets for 112 yards and another score in the, Bankers is, in the Panthers' Week 12 loss to the Seahawks. Uh Blair, McCaffrey did everything in this game, and it really underscores his role as a true bell cow in this offense. With McCaffrey putting up gaudy fantasy totals like he did today, how does this impact the other Panthers' skill position players? Uh, yeah, I mean, today he did it, of course, without Devin Funches playing at all, so um, kind of have to take that into account. I think we also saw DJ Moore get, I want to say, 12 targets in this game. Don't have it in front of me. But, um, so it's definitely a case where up oh, nine targets. It's definitely a case where McCaffrey and DJ Moore can kind of coexist, and you can have these two high target guys <laughs> as long as Funches is out, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think if McCaffrey's going to be getting these double digit targets every week, which I'm not sure we can count on, with if Funches comes back, then what you see is nobody else even got four targets. I mean, Olsen had four actually. Nobody else got more than that. Um, so. It definitely kind of lowers the floor for the other pass catchers. Um, I don't think you can rely on Greg Olson if McCaffrey is going to be taking targets that used to go to him. Uh, and, you know, Samuel got a touchdown, but his two targets are not uh, going to be something you can rely on either. So, yeah, I mean, there are never going to be a lot of, a ton of pass attempts to go around in this offense. So, uh, I mean, I think it's awesome for McCaffrey that he's getting this kind of work, but you do have to bump some of these pass catchers down a little bit. Um, hoping we see more DJ Moore too, and uh, less punches. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think that like uh, more a more concentrated target share would actually be kind of nice. They seem to be pretty intent in running out guys like uh, Jarius Wright, I believe he had a catch, yep. Uh, I mean, ideally you'd want like some kind of um, narrow target distribution between McCaffrey, Moore, Curtis Samuel. Uh, but instead, you know, we've got a little bit of Jerry Wright in there. There's probably going to be a little bit of Tory Smith. Who knows how he does when he comes back? Uh, obviously, you got Funches. You have a little bit of Olsen. But, you know, like you said, it's really this offense seems to kind of run through Christian McCaffrey, which is actually kind of exciting. Um, so, Which brings about, you know, kind of the second part of this question, which is, you know, where would you put uh, McCaffrey in your dynasty rankings? And um, where would you be drafting him, actually, when best ball leagues open up? Uh, another rankings question. Yeah, I think um, you're definitely, he's definitely a first-round pick next year in best ball leagues, I would think. Um, maybe top six, even. Um, I don't think I would have a problem taking him that high. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of in terms of dynasty rankings, uh, I think you've probably got, you're talking about Gurley and Saquon, and then when you look at a guy like McCaffrey who's getting double-digit targets in the passing game and the bulk of the rushing work, um, you probably want to put him right up there in that tier with those top guys. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if I would have uh, if I would have anyone else above him besides Gurley and Saquon. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on that one. Uh, like these are guys who single handedly can change. I probably would have Kamara up there. Um, yeah. but you know, but you never really know what it's going to be like what Drew Brees will do. Uh, so that's, you know, quote unquote subject to change. It gets very, very thin really when you're looking at these like, uh, running backs who get the, this kind of usage as, as receivers in the back and like as rushers. So it's, you know, it's difficult to say that. And so far the guy who we've seen do that consistently is Saquon and, uh, McCaffrey, uh, Camaro when Ingram was out, um, Trying to think of somebody else, Melvin Gordon, but he's been hurt. I mean, obviously, Doc Gurley, but for the most part, you know, we've settled into a lot of running back by committees, and then you have guys who see a lot of um, volume, uh, but also just are unfortunately stuck on bad offenses like David Johnson, so they don't have this uh, kind of ceiling. And people were initially worried a lot about Cam Newton vulturing touchdowns with his rushing ability. But that really hasn't come through because I think a lot of what works for McCaffrey is that his ability to to create those big plays, right? So he's able to create those junk plays. And it's difficult to rely on that. But at the same time, he's the kind of guy who's got not only a high floor, but also his ability to create those uh, junk plays gives him such a high ceiling. that it's exciting, uh, really, in terms of... Uh, um, having him on your fantasy team and I really am going to be looking forward to overdrafting him next season when uh, when when startups actually open. Yeah, you bring up a good point about the game script with guys like uh Camara where um kind of in, in some situations he's basically not a factor because they use Ingram instead and we have actually seen that with Gurley a little bit too. He's still on the field in competitive games, but against New Orleans and against Kansas City, he was basically, you know, not used in the passing game all that much. Um, I think, you know, if there's any concern with McCaffrey, it's that so often in the red zone, Cam Newton calls his own number instead of handing off to McCaffrey near the goal line. So his touchdown expectation, I guess, would have to be a little bit lower than guys like Gurley and Barkley. Uh... Zeke, but um, you know that's a that's something I guess to keep in mind. But when, when you're talking about a guy who gets 11 targets and uh, you know, probably can't average 11 targets over a season, but you know that kind of work in the passing game that's uh, hard to replace. Yeah, I don't know. Would you say he's a top three dynasty running back? Uh, I would have it pretty close between him and Kamara. But, uh, yeah, top three or four, probably. All right. I just, that's kind of where I've got him as well. Right. Um, so just out of, you know, be just curious to see if our valuations lined up. So Yeah, I mean, I would flirt with putting James Conner up there, too. Just the work that he's gotten, basically, the Le'Veon Bell role in Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, I think there's probably five or maybe even, yeah, you wouldn't want to put, put Zeke in that. Although he's been getting a lot of passing game work, too, lately, but. Yeah, Zeke's don't know been how much, how much that is part of his game, and how much is just kind of a recent aberration, you know. Nah, I think I think this is what it is going to be going forward. But he's always someone who someone else in the draft always likes more than me. That's true. Yeah, so, you know, so like at the equi at the equal pricing with a similar role, I'd probably be taking a guy like McCaffrey over a guy like Zeke, although they're both very good picks uh, at their high ADP. So where does David Johnson slide in after this season that he's having? He should probably slide into his own kind of tier, right? Like, <laughs> uh, like I would assume that he's actually closer to Zeke than most people want to believe. Yeah. Um, especially because a guy like uh, David Johnson is capable of completely smashing. It's just a matter of him being stuck with a rookie quarterback and an on a you know and just a vanilla scheme, similar to Zeke. But the, except the difference is the scheme is kind of centered around Zeke's power running style, whereas David Johnson's they, they didn't even use him as a receiver <laughs> till, till much later in the season. And even now they're not giving him the kind of volume he should be seeing to be a useful uh, receiving running back. So. Uh, I would say that David Johnson, uh, provided they're able to use him uh, the same way Arians did, is going to be a steal next year. But it depends on how far he falls in drafts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you have any clue what you would be doing with Le'Veon Bell? Uh, none at all. Like, I need to see him actually get signed before I start considering drafting him. It's very difficult, like, 
to really consider that there's a real possibility he might just like be done with football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably be surprised if he weren't playing somewhere next year, but definitely you, you, you can't, uh, can't use a high pick on him or, you know, <laughs> can't really make any plans at all without knowing a little bit more about where he's going to end up. Yeah, and it kind of also depends on the offense. I mean, if he's going to land up on a, on a team like Indianapolis, oh, baby, we're all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's, it's going to be a tough one. I think that's going to be an interesting one just to check when uh, basketball leagues open up next year. But at the same time, uh, Dynasty, from a Dynasty perspective, I have no idea what to do. I think you can actually probably bypass him in Dynasty if you're, if you're able to um, uh, appropriately construct your rosters. So that would be the interesting one. And right before we get into No Shit Should Know, here's a quick reminder that you can support the Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Road of His Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Road of His Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Road of His Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off at Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. You'll gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. You help support the podcast network. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but we're getting into prospect season. You'll enjoy those prospect profiles, and we'll help figure out, find those... Uh, Diamonds in the rough when it comes time for your uh, rookie drafts. So uh, come join us uh, at rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, now let's get to no shit, shit, no. First item, Cameron Brait caught three of four targets for 26 yards and a touchdown in the Bucks' Week 12 win over San Francisco. Yeah, this one's going to be uh, no shit for me. Uh, you know, he's done pretty okay, I think, uh, Cameron Brait in uh, – OJ Howard's absence. We've seen we've seen Jameis Winston and Cameron Brait link up a few times. So it's actually kind of cool to see this. Uh, he's on a few of my basketball rosters, but also four targets. You know, it just sort of underscores the garbage fire of that is the uh, uh, tight end position, the wasteland, as it were. So I was all in on Chris Godwin this week, and it's in part because of Godwin's splits when Howard missed time last year. He averaged like 92 yards a game. It was a small sample, obviously, only three games, I think. But um, today we saw him only catch, I think, four passes uh, for 42 yards, I want to say. But uh, do you think we'll see more from Godwin going forward at all with Howard out? I'm hopeful. Uh, they've kind of used him sporadically, really. I'm kind of hoping they eventually start shelving um, Deshaun Jackson here. Uh, they don't really have much to play for as a team, I don't think. So, you know, it'd be nice if they... Yeah, because Deshaun Jackson had eight targets, but he went three for 19, whereas Godwin got four for four for 42. I would think at some point that Godwin should be the guy that they'll eventually turn to, whether it's because of O.J. Howard being out or whether it's because it's... Um, because of Deshaun Jackson's increase in effectiveness, I don't know. But uh, we, you know, I would assume that they better start giving him more looks as we go down go down the 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 rest of the season here, right? Yeah, I hope so. I own him in so many best ball teams and some redraft teams. And, uh, I'm going to keep spending, <laughs> wasting money by playing him in DFS. So, I don't know. <laughs> Tyler Boyd caught seven of eight targets for 85 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 12 loss to the Browns. Yeah, this is a no shit. Uh, AJ Green was ruled out again. Um, there was some talk that Green being in would actually help Boyd because it's been looking like Boyd is more of a complimentary receiver and can't really uh, be the main guy. But I think, you know, last week he had double-digit targets today caught seven of eight for 85 and a touchdown i think that he's probably showing that he can function in that wide receiver one role um so yeah this is i think really uh exciting for his prospects going forward i would expect green is back next week he was close to playing this week so i think he'll be back that could help you know open up the offense for Boyd even more although he might see his targets drop a bit from what he's seen the last two weeks uh but yeah i would keep no, starting him with confidence. Uh, yeah, he's good. 
Rob Gronkowski caught three of seven targets for 56 yards and a touchdown in the Patriots' Week 12 win over the Jets. Yeah, this is kind of a bit of a no-shit for me. What's uh, what's uh, kind of uh, increasingly frustrating is uh, Gronkowski's continued uh, inefficiency despite seeing volume. But it's nice to see him continue to earn those kind of, that, that kind of volume. I mean, he's clearly, like, Brady's a better quarterback when he's on the field. Like, we can see that in the, in the road of his game splits app. The splits with him without uh, Gronk are pretty jarring <laughs> if you take a look at them. So it's actually, you know, kind of cool to see him get in the end zone. And it would be nice to see him continue getting work as he goes on down for the rest of the season because it'd be nice uh, for for most of us who kind of kept faith again. This is a bit of a dumpster fire position, and I'm sure that if you have Gronk, it's been a source of endless frustration, but if he's able to play the rest of the season, uh, you know, you got to keep rolling him out there because he's always a threat to do this. Saquon Barkley rushed 13 times for 101 yards and one touchdown. He also caught seven of eight targets for 41 yards. And an additional touchdown in the Giants is 25-22, Week 12, loss to the Eagles. No shit. Uh, Saquon is good. We just talked about it. Probably my number one dynasty running back and probably uh, your number one redraft pick next year. Um, yeah, this is what's amazing is he's, he's doing this despite how bad the Giants have been. I mean, today they put up 25. Last week they put up, I think, 37 or something. But that... Last week was the first time they'd scored 30 points in like two years. So um, this is just a really bad team. And, you know, Saquon is amazing despite that. Kind of the exact opposite of what we've seen from David Johnson in Arizona, where his offense is really holding him back. Uh, Barkley is kind of transcending his offense. So, yeah, I think he probably, I would expect he'll be the running back one over the rest of the season or close to it. So. Yeah. Josh Allen completed 8 of 19 passes for 160 yards and a touchdown and rushed 12 times for 100 yards and an additional score in the Bills' Week 12 win over the Jaguars. Um, This is a bit of a... I don't even know. <laughs> like, shit, no. I mean, look, we're, we're laughing a little bit about like Josh Allen not being a good NFL quarterback, but... Um, he's done this a couple of times now where wherein he's able to use athleticism to really sort of single-handedly win them the game. And uh, we saw it again today against the Jaguars. I mean, they were kind of helped uh, a little bit by the fact that uh, the Jaguars' defense seems to be really out of sorts. I mean, people were drafting these guys as the top-ranked defense. I think they're, like, slotting in in the bottom percentile, like the bottom 10 percentile for this season. Like, they're, I think they're 24th on the year. Uh, I mean, that just sort of goes to show you how fickle... Um, defense and uh, defensive statistics and all that other stuff really kind of is. It's just, it's kind of impressive though, like genuinely for Josh Allen to be this good. Um, he makes those like wow plays and it's weird because like what really helps is athleticism, right? Like that Konami code that, you know, Mr. Bisky has or uh, even one had last year where they just sort of take off. And it'd be kind of interesting if this is a, a, a natural part of his game. Uh, wherein, I mean, he'll be a pretty fantasy viable option, I would suppose. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, Allen is basically doing the same thing Lamar Jackson is doing. And when Jackson does it, we think it's great. But when Allen does it, we're like, oh, well. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the one thing, he only completed 8 of 19 passes. So that's like way less than 50%. And one of those, you know, for 160 yards and a touchdown. And the touchdown, I think, came on a 75-yard completion to Robert Foster. So, you know, uh, I I don't like to do this game, but if you take out that 75-yard completion, he's basically 7 of 18 for, what, uh, 85 yards and no touchdowns throwing. So um, I guess he's like Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson were somehow even worse at passing. Uh, but... You know, if he's going to keep doing this, running for almost 100 yards, going to keep running the ball this way, he probably has fantasy value. So, as much as it pains me to say it, because I'm not a Josh Allen fan at all, he might, you know, he could probably uh, help your fantasy team in the 2QB league if you're really needy, or maybe even if you're not. Leonard Fournette rushed 18 times for 95 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught uh, all three of his targets for 13 yards. Uh, he was ejected in the third quarter of the Jaguars' Week 12 loss to the Bills. Uh, 
I mean, I guess it's a shit no on the ejection in the sense that he probably won't be ejected every game. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars obviously want to give the ball to him. They obviously, you know, want the offense to run through him when he's healthy. 18 rushes has been actually pretty low considering what he's been seeing the last uh, two games since he's come back. Um, I think he is probably going to remain pretty touchdown dependent. Uh, three targets is about what you should expect, I think, every week. So, you know, today he scored two touchdowns, had a good game, but if he rushes 18 times for 95 yards and no touchdowns, I mean, that's still, you know, that's about 10 points I mean, if you take out the passing game. So uh, he's someone that I think probably has a lower floor than really people are willing to admit. But, I mean, in terms of the usage, this is no shit. Matt Breida rushed 14 times for 106 yards and caught three of four targets for 34 yards in the 49ers Week 12 loss to Tampa Bay. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a no shit. The guy just seems to produce in all game scripts. You know, I mean, this is uh, one of the one of the uh, zero RB guys that uh, Sean Siegel really liked a lot at the start of the season. And I think this is pretty much who he is. You know, he's a very good player. And I think realistically, uh, and here's the question that I have for you. Do you think he's forced a timeshare with uh, Jarek McKinnon when he comes back next season? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I think um, they were even talking about that before McKinnon got hurt. So I think now, just with how Reed has played, you, you have to think he's going to be a major part of the offense next year. In fact, he probably has a, a leg up over McKinnon going into next year. Zach Ertz caught seven of eight targets for 91 yards and a touchdown in the Eagles' 25-22 Week 12 win over the Giants. No shit. Um, Zach Ertz is one of Wentz's favorite targets. Uh, you know, last week uh, against uh, New Orleans, I think, was an aberration. So, can't be too much into that low-target game. Um, just a blip. I think this is the Ertz we'll see the rest of the season. You know, eight targets, in fact, is a little bit low for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, 91 yards and a touchdown. The sort of stat line you should expect going forward. Amari Cooper caught eight of ten targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns in the Cowboys' Week 12 win over Washington. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a no-shit for me as well. Uh, Amari Cooper is one of those guys that a lot of people like to dog on, but um, the fact sort of remains that every time he actually does see volume... He does produce very, very well. Uh, and when I say, and that's not me just saying very, very, just to be uh, dramatic about it. He he has been one of those guys that has really only dotted once, I believe, when he's seen more than four targets. Otherwise, for the most part, he's been a very consistent wide receiver two or wide receiver one on that, on that fringe uh, when he's seen that kind of volume. I'm actually, uh, let, you know, taking a quick look at the road of his uh, you know, weekly stat explorer. I just wanted to double check uh, for PPR leagues here with Amari Cooper is when he sees four or more targets, he is, uh, let's see here. Yeah, no, he was uh, not. I'm actually wrong on that. He was the wide receiver 31 uh, against Miami. And then he did not see enough uh, volume after that. But for the most part, you know, he's finished as a wide receiver. Let's see. That was the only time he didn't finish as a as a you know fantasy viable wideout against Atlanta. He kind of got blanked last week, and he also saw five targets. He went five for 13, 17, uh, for seventeen yards. So he didn't do much there. But again, for the most part, you're looking at a guy who is producing you know like a fairly high end uh, wide receiver too. And he was a guy that I actually regret not starting a little bit more. My and why I didn't start him on that Thanksgiving game was not because I was worried about like the lack of volume uh, was because of his, his performance. Sorry. It was because I was afraid that the Washington offense wasn't going to muster enough, uh, you know, wasn't going to be good enough to, for, for Dallas to play anything more than uh, stuffing Ezekiel Elliott. So I was afraid it was going to be one of those three target two two, you know, two catches, uh, 21 yards, no touchdown lines for Amari, but I was wrong. What about, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are kind of, say what you will about Jason Garrett, but he's got to be smart enough to notice that his team is good when they throw the ball to Amari Cooper. Uh, so I am hoping that they do it more often. Um, for the most part, Cooper has been getting volume in Dallas, which has been really nice to see. We're totally sure how he would fit, but 
I think apart from that one game you mentioned, he's been he's been definitely their wide receiver one, and uh, so far looks to have a really good connection with Dak. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what they can do going forward. It's <laughs> weird to say that about the Dallas offense, but at least Dak and Cooper, I like what they're doing. Matthew Stafford completed 28 of 38 passes for 236 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions in the Lions' 23-16 at Thanksgiving loss to the Bears. I mean, I guess this is a shit no. Just, you know, Stafford usually is better than this. But he always kind of has these games. We know the Bears' defense is really good. Um, they're missing on Johnson. They've obviously been feeling the loss of Golden Tate. The offensive line has been awful over the last few games. Uh, so there was not a lot going right for Stafford going into this game. So um, I don't think we should have expected him to do well. Probably, you know, a little better than 236 yards, and no touchdowns, and two picks. But still, not a great spot for Stafford, and he kind of predictably underperformed, although probably a little more than he should have. I kind of uh, think that this is pretty much Stafford uh, from here on out. They, you know, they traded away Golden Tate. This Jim Bob Cooter offense is terrible. I don't think Matt Patricia's done a particularly good job. Uh, it's kind of worrisome because this is probably going to be Stafford next year as well. You know, it's just a low-flow offense. And uh, maybe he's struggling because they don't have Marvin Jones as well and on Johnson. But, you know, it's just a pretty – it's a very putrid offense, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, they obviously want to be running the ball a ton. And when Carrion's been in, they've been giving him a ton of work. Even with Blunt, they were giving, they think he had, what, 19 carries. Um, so, you know, they're, they don't seem to want to really put the ball in Stafford's hands, which probably is unfortunate. I think um, we've seen him get the high attempts before, and he's been decent. So uh, you'd kind of like to see what would happen if they would kind of unleash him, get more passes out to Galladay. Uh, would like to see this offense open up more for sure, although I'm definitely happy with the amount they're using carry on when he's healthy. So Gus Edwards rumbled to 118 yards on 23 carries Sunday in Baltimore's Week 12 win over the Raiders. Yeah, no shit. I mean, Gus Edwards, he's pretty good. Yeah. Alex Collins was declared like a last-second inactive. Um, Gus Edwards took over. He did pretty well last week, and he did really well this week. Uh, Oakland are a bad defense, and it's uh, exciting to see him take advantage of this bad matchup. You think we'll see more Edwards like this uh, next week and in the weeks to come? Yes. Uh, This is kind of similar to what Alex Collins did last year, uh, where he just sort of showed up and took the job by force. And it was just the guy going forward. So uh, why not Gus Edwards? You know what I mean? That's a good point. Elijah McGuire rushed six times for 19 yards in the Jets' Week 12 loss to the Patriots. He also added a seven-yard reception. Uh, I mean, we knew this was not going to be an easy game for the Jets. and They were probably going to have to air it out more than they might have liked to. Um, I think they probably want to get the ball to McGuire more. Uh, they sounded like it was going to be the plan going in that McGuire would pretty heavily involved. Uh, Six rushes for 19 yards is obviously disappointing. Uh, But yeah, it wasn't exactly an easy matchup, so I'm kind of torn on this one. I think we'll see better things from him going forward. Um, Hopefully they'll get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, That probably is the the one way that he could have been used more effectively against the Patriots. But um, yeah, I guess I'm saying shit no because I think McGuire is a lot better than this stat line would lead you to believe. Uh, but, yeah, it's the Jets, and so, you know, no shit from that perspective. Calvin Ridley vacuumed 8 of 13 targets for 93 yards and one score in the Falcons' Week 12 loss to the Saints. Yeah, this is going to be a no shit for me. Um, he's coming on strong, man, and, and, and although Mosinu did well, he's not doing, you know, he was still the guy, like, taking over you know it's kind of exciting to see like a, one of the younger rookies he was he came on strong at the start of the season and he's coming on strong uh you know as the season goes on and i only expected his role to grow as uh, atlanta eventually fall out of the playoff race because it looks like they want him to take over as the secondary running mate to julio jones 
Juju Smith-Schuster hauled in 13 to 17 targets for 189 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 12 loss to the Broncos. No shit. Uh, Juju is amazing. Um, I think the real question is, after Antonio Brown puts up a dud in this game, after he did, um, you know, how long before Juju is the kind of clear wide receiver one in this offense? Oh, come on. I mean... Uh, <laughs> you're like to describe uh, Antonio Brown's, uh, you know, nine catches, sixty-seven yards <laughs> on thirteen targets as a dud. Uh, it's kind of pretty interesting considering Ryan Switzer had a similar line on fewer targets. So, is Antonio Brown the wide receiver three? And <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. Um, man, these guys are both good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like both Brown and Juju are good. They're both going to alternate blow-up games. It's a bit of a bummer to not have James Conner get a little bit into the act because it would have really helped me uh, today immensely in DFS. But for the most part, you know, I feel like Juju really is a wide receiver one. And um, I would not be surprised uh, next season in terms of Dynasty ADP to see him, James Conner, and um, Antonio Brown sort of all go in that, like, late first, early second range. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I yeah, I think probably I would first round is kind of high. I don't know. Hard to say at this point. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about some stats I heard on another podcast. Uh, Antonio Brown this year has yet to have a game go over 117 yards. And he did that I think six times last year. He also had six games, I want to say, with double-digit receptions last year, and this year, I don't believe he has any. So, um, yeah, he has none. So it could be just a case that Juju is is uh, kind of coming on a lot stronger, but maybe Antonio Brown is losing a step. He is 30 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah, which uh, kind of makes all those, um, well, there's, you know, Antonio Brown, the next uh, Jerry Rice or whatever. Um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I still think I still think Antonio is um, going to be the guy you kind of want, but it also means we should not be discounting or at least consider Antonio Brown as uh, a reason why we should be fading Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, especially when drafts open up next year, because there's enough volume in this offense for the two of them clearly to actually coexist. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Brown actually has more, still more targets and more touchdowns, way more touchdowns than Juju. Although Juju has more catches and more yards, and I think he actually also has more red zone targets than Antonio Brown. So um, it's probably not, yeah, like you said, they're both wide receiver ones. Uh, even in this offense, it's not even like a one and a two. It's uh, not even a 1A and a 1B. It's just here's one wide receiver one, here's the other one. Yeah, it's just, uh, oh, did Juju have a big game? Well, I guess like Antonio didn't, <laughs> and vice versa. Manuel Sanders hauled in 7 of 12 targets for 86 yards and a touchdown in the Broncos week 12 win over the Steelers. Yeah, a bit of a no shit on this one as well. I mean, this was a revenge game against his former team, right? So uh, what do we say? You know, a revenge game. He definitely uh, came out, balled out. Uh, but that being said, this has kind of been kind of interesting seeing uh, Manny Sanders uh elder statesman on the uh, Denver Broncos uh, continue his rapport that he has with Case Keenum uh, you know Demarius Thomas gone he's getting the kind of volume that makes him a pretty good you know wide receiver two slash wide receiver three just because Case it's Case Keenum um, the, the interesting thing that I'll take away from this is uh, Cortland Sutton is the guy whose lack of uh, targets for usage is kind of getting a little concerning what are your thoughts on that yeah that's definitely a concern uh, I just recently wrote a little blurb in the expected points article about rookies in 2018 who had been having efficient seasons, which is a positive sign for their prospects going forward. And Sutton, as of the time I wrote that article, was like barely above expectation. And uh, I think after this game, you know, only four targets, but he only got one of them for 14 yards. So after this game, he's got to be down below that threshold. Uh, it's definitely a concern, not only the targets, but you know, the lack of targets, rather, but the lack of catches and yards. Um, not a good sign for someone <clears throat> in their rookie season, kind of puts him in the Corey Davis, Devontae Parker 
conversation, unfortunately. Uh, it's probably too early to to really start making those comps so far, but uh, unfortunately, that's sort of what you're looking at if he doesn't turn it around. Yeah, and it's I mean it's kind of concerning a little bit for Corey Davis, but I'm still optimistic he'll finish strong over the next few weeks. Definitely, see on Monday. Yeah, I'm hopeful for Davis too. Although he's he, he's another player who had a kind of a a bad rookie year in the way Sutton did, and so far in his second year he's had a few blow up games, but mostly hasn't looked that good. Which, um, based on the data, was kind of predictable. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Andrew Luck completed 30 of 37 passes for 343 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions in the Colts' 27-24 Week 12 win over the Dolphins. No shit. This is, what, eight consecutive games with three touchdowns for Luck? Maybe more than that. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, even when he's not getting the volume that he was early in the season, he's still able to convert for these touchdowns, I think, um, yeah, until we see him kind of slow down, we can keep rolling him out there, keep uh, relying on him. Uh, so, yeah, this is the Andrew Luck we were hoping to get when he returned from injury, and it's awesome to see him back. Kenyon Drake caught five of six targets for 64 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 12 loss to the Colts, adding eight carries for 32 yards and an additional, and an additional score. Uh, shit, no. I mean, his <laughs> usage has been kind of, you know, Slightly bizarre. It was very difficult to really predict this was coming from him, especially because this coaching staff seems to be more intent in using um, Frank Gore a lot more than they have been. Um, you know, they just sort of seem to yank him out like at, at any at any given moment and stuff. So, you know, the fact that Drake was also in non-contact in practice and he had a few other, you know, Red flags. It's kind of exciting to see him uh, put together a big game. Uh, as far as his ability to put together these big games, that's a bit of a shit, you know, uh, no shit because he's done that before. It's really what made him such a viable or, or a valuable pick in best ball leagues earlier this year. Lamar Jackson completed 14 or 25 passes for 178 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions. He also added 71 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries in the Ravens' Week 12 win over the Raiders. Uh, I kind of want to say shit no, right? 11 carries is pretty low. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is what we expected from Lamar Jackson for at least um, a good chunk of his production to come on the ground. And uh, what I think is the most surprising about what he's been doing is how well he's been able to sustain drives and move the ball. Um, at the end of the game today, when uh, the Ravens were ahead trying to kind of run out the clock, I believe he led drive that lasted like 13 plays and then another one that was 17 plays or something so um you know it's not only his individual success that's impressive like the team actually is a much more competent offense it appears when he's under center so you know if Flacco is healthy next week I think the Ravens have a real kind of (laughs) conundrum um do you think they should go back back to Flacco or stick with Jackson? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Jackson's given them like a pretty good offense. I think that they should probably stick with Jackson. I mean, Flacco's probably got a very short leash now that Jackson's you know performed pretty okay. Um, plus, it also is going to be difficult to go. They don't seem to be doing a lot, so I don't think they like really. I don't think the coaching staff is ready to pull the plug on Joe Flacco just yet. You know what I mean? Like they're not really letting Lamar throw the ball as much. I mean, he threw 25 passes this week, and that's a kind of a Flacco-esque line anyway, but without the without the running. So I don't know if they can. I think they will. I don't know if it's the best option for them, and especially if like Flacco is hampered by you know a hip injury that you know limited already limited continue to limit his already limited mobility. I, I don't know what to do with that. You know. Like, uh, uh, or at least not me, but like, I don't know what the Ravens will be able to do with it because, um, you know, they'd much rather have a dynamic playmaker uh, under center versus a statuesque pocket passer towards the end of his career, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. I think, you know, yeah, it's tough. Uh, all the rhetoric out of Baltimore that I'm aware of would suggest that they want to go back to Flacco, that kind of Lamar Jackson's. It's just a temporary fix while Flacco's hurt. So 
It would be a little bit surprising, I guess, if they didn't go back to Flacco, but I think with how Jackson has been playing and with how the offense has been playing, you at least have to, if you're the Ravens, you have to consider it. Um, yeah, I mean, the, his passing line, <laughs> you said it was Flacco-esque. Flacco would get 178 yards on 40 passes, so it's a little bit, uh, <laughs> maybe even a little bit better. But um, yeah, uh, two interceptions today. He did actually have looked like some accuracy issues when trying to throw deep a couple times. Um, so there's that to consider. Um, but I mean, when you can run for 71 yards and when you can keep your offense on the field as well as Lamar Jackson seems to, it's hard to really, hard to bench that guy. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action in the game. Uh, guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks. Uh, some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of uh, person that likes to bet a little, you win a lot, at, like betting the numbers and roulette, uh, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. College basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom player props, even esports, you name it. Uh, my bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. I recommend these guys uh, because I really trust them. My bookie's been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is very easy to use. Uh, also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or on Instagram. They respond to every mention in DM. Uh, they've also given away nearly $10,000 and free money to their followers. Uh, you'll be the first to know as soon as, as new odds and props are posted. Uh, so you log into MyBookie right now. Don't miss out. All right, and uh, use promo, promo code RODOVIZ and you get your first deposit match. Uh, that's uh, promo code RODOVIZ. You play, you Both win, uh, you Lockett get paid. David Moore significantly outproduced Baldwin today. Uh, Lockett caught all five of his targets for 107 yards and a touchdown. Moore caught four or five targets for 103 yards and a touchdown. So has Doug Baldwin's role on this offense been minimized? Yeah, I don't know if he has been uh, minimized. Uh, I know he was like in line to be a game-time decision. It sounds like if something else flared up with him in, in terms of injury. I, I mean, at this point, like he had a groin injury that he was nursing. He didn't practice earlier this week. Uh, clearly, he was hampered by it. Um, you know, so I don't know if his role has been minimized because he did see more targets than either of those two guys. He saw seven, whereas both of them saw five. What really makes this frustrating is that both Moore and Lockett are clearly explosive playmakers. And I don't know if Doug Baldwin has that. I don't know if he's going to get that back or this is just like a, um, a side effect of his injury or, or what have you. But it's um, interesting to see a guy... You know, because Baldwin's kind of on the, on the oldish side, so I think he's in the process of of, uh, of nursing something. So maybe it's taking him longer to get back healthy. But you know, it's kind of becoming a bit of a lost season for him, and it's a, it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, you know, for for those of us who drafted him, uh, specifically me, who drafted him in a lot of um, best ball leagues and a handful of dynasty leagues and so on. Uh, I wonder if this makes him um, a uh, value next season. Uh, in drafts when they're open, but I wouldn't count on it because his name brand value is enough wherein someone else would uh, probably overdraft him anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't touching him pretty much at all this season. Uh, partly that was because he was injured um, during a lot of draft season, so that's already a red flag, so it's kind of easy to, you know, there are other were other guys going around him that I liked more that weren't injured, so it was easy to just click their names instead. Um, ah, man, it would be hard for me to get on board with calling him a value next year after this kind of season at his age. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think a bounce back would be very likely. Um, he last week had, well, 18 fantasy points, 52 yards and a touchdown. That was his highest output so far this season. Um, so yeah, that's pretty discouraging. He hasn't topped 100 yards yet. I don't know. I think he might be toast. Hey, uh, I, I remember reading your article about wide receiver bounce backs, and I think you might actually be on the money here. <laughs> Austin Eckler rushed five times for 35 yards and a touchdown, and he also caught 10 of 11 targets for 68 yards in uh, the Chargers' Week 12 win against the Cardinals. Uh, Blair, 
Melvin Gordon was actually forced to leave the game with an MCL injury. Uh, what do you think Eckler's outlook will be now that we know that uh, Gordon is dealing with a pretty severe knee injury and he's likely going to miss some time? Yeah. Um, unfortunate for Gordon and for his owners, obviously, but I think Eckler should be huge uh, for whatever time Gordon has missed. He's was one of our favorite zero running back candidates. Um, he's been awesome. In a lot of games, even that Gordon's been healthy, uh, he's just, you know, <laughs> obviously very dynamic with the ball in his hands. And, um, yeah, if, if he can get the opportunity, I think he has a good shot to produce running back one numbers. Um, there was a game earlier in the season when Gordon missed that uh, he was the main guy and didn't look so good, but uh, I think after seeing what he did today, we can kind of... Well, not exactly forget that game, but kind of forget it. Just, uh, you know, this is the the Eckler that we have seen at other times in the season. So we know he has huge upside, obviously, if he can get the opportunity. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward. Um, And as a uh, follow-up, you know, who do you think the backup uh, in Los Angeles uh, would be the guy to pick up? Would it be Detrez Newsom or Justin Jackson? Who do you think is the guy to pick? Uh, well, for me, it would definitely be Justin Jackson. He had seven carries today, turned that into 57 yards, um, looked really good running the ball. He was a workhorse in college. Uh, I think his sophomore year, he had a workhorse score above 90, which is really incredible, something you definitely want to see in college prospects, his early production. Um, he didn't quite maintain that, but uh, still, you know, Super productive in college. He also has a pretty close to elite agility score. Uh, I think his his uh, three cone was in something like six point seven five. So um, someone who yeah has the production and the athleticism to back it up. So he's definitely intriguing to me. I was actually a little disappointed when the uh, when the Chargers drafted him because uh, obviously they have Gordon and Eckler ahead of him. So it wasn't likely that he was going to see much of the field. But now that He's potentially getting his shot. I'm excited to see what he's doing, what he's going to do. Um, Newsom got four carries also, only got 15 yards. Uh, not not as excited about him. I think Jackson is the guy to get. Uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on Newsom in particular? I don't actually know a ton about him. No, I mean, he's a preseason superstar, but that's about all I got for you. Uh, I would agree that Justin Jackson is probably the guy you want. Uh, we didn't see much of him in preseason. I mean, Newsom went ahead to make the team um, because as a direct result of his uh, preseason performances, which makes him interesting to stash uh, going down the down the line. But I think realistically, the guy you want, at least for the rest of the season, would probably be Justin Jackson, who seemed to have overtaken Newsom um, going forward and for the rest of the season, most probably. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. workspace is more than just square footage it's an incubator of achievement a magnet for talent your workforce unleashed for 160 years Savills has been bringing real intelligence to global real estate ensuring not just any space but the perfect workspace because the most important dimension of a building is the human one Savills see what Savills can do for you at Savills.us 
They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.